So one of the aspects of mindfulness that I've been exploring with you over the course of the workshop so far is, is mindfulness as a, a kind of a listening, listening to our bodies, listening to our hearts, listening to our minds. You could say attuning to our beings, sensitizing ourselves to our inner life which is so not how most of us are conditioned outside of meditation settings where we're in many ways forced to disconnect from that intuitive embodied wisdom. And often when we start to listen to our inner beings with kindness, with curiosity, we start to encounter some of the hurts that we've been holding, that we've been carrying. You know, as I said earlier, we're such sensitive relational human beings. And just from that sensitivity and vulnerability, all of us over the course of our lifetime start to collect different kind of injuries, you could say. And sometimes when we meditate, we start to feel that sense of armoring and um, resistance and avoidance and all the different strategies that we've used to avoid connecting, knowing, noticing, registering those different forms of pain. I don't know if you've ever seen images of hermit crabs, you know, those crabs that go around and they glue these different bits of shell and sand and stuff onto themselves as protection. And sometimes I feel like our hearts are like that. You know, we, we get injured here and we strap on a bit of armor and then we get whacked here so we put on a big helmet and then someone runs us in from behind so we put on this big shield behind us and before long we're carrying pounds and pounds of heavyweight armor and we can barely walk, <laughs> metaphorically. So sometimes meditation practice is a training in gradually softening some of that armor, which takes courage, right? And even here in this workshop, some of you are already touching into some of that pain, distress, suffering, or dukkha, to use the Pali word, the Buddha just naming in that first noble truth, there is dukkha. Anybody not experienced any dukkha in the last 36 <laughs> hours? <laughs> no? So how do we relate skillfully to stress, distress, pain, suffering? I've been bringing in this model of the two wings, wisdom and compassion, and I'd like to take some time now to more directly explore the c compassion wing compassion being our capacity our courage to turn towards pain and meet it with kindness instead of our habitual resistance reaction avoidance ignore repress deny and so on which isn't easy so sometimes i use and sometimes people will say, well, why would I want to do that? My spiritual practice is supposed to get me away from suffering. Why would I want to turn towards it? So some of you have heard me uh, use this metaphor. Sometimes I think it's like 
if you swim and you swim in the ocean, sometimes one of those giant waves is coming. And our instinct is to turn around and try and swim away or, or if we can touch the bottom, run away from it. And then we usually get slammed. But if we can have the courage to turn towards the wave and at the right moment dive under it, it may be turbulent, but we usually come out the other side in better shape. Or if you are driving, say, in wet or icy conditions and you start to skid, again, the instinct is to yank the wheel in the opposite direction. But all the experts say you need to steer into the skid so that you can come back to balance. So compassion is a way of training ourselves to come back to balance. And from those examples, analogies, you get a sense it does take presence of mind and it does take courage. So like everything else we're doing here, it's a training. Particularly when it comes to pain and to more more deep-seated painful formations, people often have a misunderstanding that if I was doing real practice or if I was practicing deeply, I would be drilling down into my deepest, darkest trauma and staying there until it gets nuked out of existence. And anything less than that is somehow cheating or avoiding. That is so not a helpful approach And I want to really emphasize this skill of what I call titrating the dose of the difficulty. Like in medicine, I used yesterday the analogy of vitamin C. If we want vitamin C to be effective, we need just the right dose. If we take too little, it's not going to strengthen our immune system. If we pour a gallon of it into a jug and drink it, we're going to get toxic. Likewise, with our pain, stress, distress, suffering, we want to gradually strengthen our immune system to meet those difficult areas of our lives. So it's absolutely not cheating to practice what I call touch and go. Touch into the pain, Stay with it for as long as we have the capacity to be present. And then go. And go in this context might literally mean go. Go outside, take a walk. It may mean visualizing, being free of the suffering. It may mean using whatever means are available to help you come back to balance. So if you are practicing in daily life with a particular painful situation, you might literally set a timer for two minutes. And you say, okay, may I be with this painful situation for two minutes? Exploring it, not cognitively, not rehashing the story, because most of us tend to proliferate as an unconscious way of distancing ourselves from feeling the emotion. So I'm doing this because we tend to put our energy in the head, proliferate up here wildly so we don't have to feel the stress and distress of the emotion in the body and the heart. So staying out of the cognitive mind as much as possible, connecting with the body and the heart, allowing the sensations in the body 
the emotions, the images, the associations, the memories, allowing them to sort of percolate into awareness. And then if we find ourselves starting to go into the story, into proliferation, or if we find ourselves getting overwhelmed by emotion, then okay, that's enough. The timer rings, and then we go pet the dog, or call a friend, or have a bath, or have a cup of tea, or go for a walk, or a run, or whatever skillful means we have to come back to balance and ease. And then the next time we do that exploration, maybe we set the timer for three minutes and then maybe five minutes, but we're gradually expanding that capacity to be with what's challenging. So we're trying to stay within our window of tolerance, but gradually strengthen that. Does that make sense for people? Yeah, great. So again, it's a skill training and having some foundation in compassion and particularly self-compassion is really key. And in my experience so far working with different students around the world is that self-compassion is the key skill that is most lacking in people's practice. Even the idea of self-compassion can be very triggering for many people. So I use the example of someone I was working with a few years ago and we were just having a conversation and I I just mentioned in passing the word self-compassion and I saw this uh, person freeze, like literally unable to move and so I realized that something fairly serious was going on for her and I did what we needed to do and a couple of weeks later she said I really need to learn about that because I had such a strong reaction but for me she said the challenge of self-compassion is I can't find phrases that feel authentic for me so we we decided to see if we could come up together with some phrases that made sense and after a bit of back and forth, what we came up with was something like, may I be willing at some point in the future to have the intention to move in the general direction of some degree of compassion towards this being here. So it may start really far over there, but even there... She said that three times to herself every morning when she woke up and then gradually you can bring it a little closer and then a little closer and then a little closer. So if self-compassion is something that just feels so alien or you've tried it before and it's terrifying or any other kind of reactions, numbness, blankness, shutdown, in a perverse way, those are all signs that the practice is working because they're showing us what's getting in the way. Unless we know that, we can't do anything about it. So I thought to offer a short guided self-compassion meditation now. And it's optional. So before you even start, right now you want to listen into your being and see, is this something that feels useful or not? 
If you're overwhelmed, overloaded, not the right time, please bow out. Feel free to practice in silence outside or in one of the other rooms.